Hey, CEOs, welcome to the CEO Wing Woman podcast. I'm your host, Christy Bowie, and I am so excited to welcome our guest today. Samantha Bradshaw has never really embraced the traditional route of life, and I am so excited to talk about her journey with her. After graduating into a job market where partners at law firms were still being laid off, she figured she had better chances at finding a real law job overseas, and she certainly did. She spent five years helping multinational companies expand and grow, and she learned that she thrived on helping serial entrepreneurs, business owners, and creatives bring their ideas off the ground. Their passion for their work is simply contagious. Samantha thrives on the contagious passion from fellow business owners, and she uses that to help get them in line at Inline Legal. She creates the confidence and legal foundation necessary in any successful business. Inline Legal delivers affordable, price-predictable, and convenient legal services to your business so you can focus on actually running it. I'm so excited you're here today. You know, that sounds really good when you say it out loud. I'm excited to be here too. I love it when someone reads your bio and you're like, wait, me? Sometimes it's a good memory of everything we've actually accomplished in life. And I think that's a great way to start off this episode of it's really nice to remind yourself of your own highlight reels because as business owners, like this gets tough. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, after reading that and hearing your highlight reel, can you introduce yourself to us in and explain, you know, this journey of how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So if you ask my grandfather, he'll say that I was never destined to stay in one place, which is hilarious because he was in the Air Force for almost, I think actually just over 30 years. So he wasn't either. It runs in the family. I think he could recognize <laughs> it. It runs in the family. There's some kind of bug moving around. <laughs> but he was he was always my greatest kind of supporter in all of this, him and my father. Even if they thought my ideas were bizarre and strange and made no sense, they were like, look, as long as you thought it out, go for it. And that's so much fun for me because honestly, that's how I, I like dealing with my clients too. Because my clients come to me with really strange ideas. I have boudoir clients that use snakes oh. in their sessions. I had a client who wanted to have a bartending mermaid services for birth- birthday parties and corporate events. And then you're just sitting here like, that's really strange. But if you've thought it out, let's go for it. <laughs> so it's just, it's been, it's been a fun ride. I started off in Virginia, found my way down to Carolina after a bunch of years, you know, military brat lifestyle, bumped over to Lebanon for a little while. Wound up in New York. Now I'm back and forth between Brazil and Virginia. Wow. And I see no sign of that changing. I actually wound up marrying a diplomat. So I'm really stuck into this life. <laughs> I was born into the military and married into diplomacy. I'm like, okay, I upgraded. We have better chocolates and better parties. <laughs> but I, I, I started in on this, this whole process. I was that obnoxious eight-year-old that was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. So hearing like the dun-dun yep. from Law & Order in the background, right? Your parents always had it on on the 7 o'clock show when it was still on the air. That, that's what happened. And I stuck with it. So by the time I got to Lebanon, the vast majority of my clients were kind of mid-sized businesses. And the ones that, that have been around for a while, it was just they were boring. I don't know. We're like, okay, let's move some heavy equipment machinery into Ghana. Nah, man, I want to talk about bartending mermaid. This is so much more entertaining. (laughs) And your mid-sized business is not going to come up with bartending mermaids. They're going to talk about moving, you know, construction equipment to Ghana, which 
that has to be done. Somebody has to do it, but it's just, it's not that exciting. Not you. I wanted something a little more, a little more refreshing. So you were working with these companies and it just wasn't for you. And so you kind of said, you know, I want to take this non-traditional route and I'm going to put in quotes non-traditional because I think it's being a lot more accepted to do your own thing. I think we have very similar stories of being like, I don't want to see what happens in this industry happen with me. I want something so unique, so out there. And so how did you actually say, okay, I'm I'm starting my own firm and I'm doing this on my own, especially as you were, you know, traveling abroad and living this different life? So that's actually that's what what prompted it. And I so I think like a lot of business owners, the entrepreneurial bug bit you long before you opened your business, right? You've probably had a hundred ideas floating around in your head. Every business owner I've talked to has all said the same, and I did too. When I was in Lebanon, I actually had the idea that I could open up an agency for English trained lawyers to go work part time at non English speaking law firms because the world is so internationally connected that it was necessary that I was at this law firm, but smaller law firms couldn't justify the cost of a foreign hire attorney. But they probably could justify the cost of a part time one. But lawyers don't exactly work part time. (laughs) That's just, that's not a traditional thing in our industry. And so I had that idea. And then I met the man who became my husband. And, you know, he drug my butt back to New York, kicking and screaming. (laughs) I was not happy to leave Lebanon. And then we got to New York. And if you're unaware, you have to take the bar in every state you want to practice in. I had already taken and passed the bar in Virginia. I did not want to take another bar. Bar sucks. You study for three months, you take a test for two days, then you wait for three months for somebody to give you an answer. It's terrible. And I remembered while I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do in New York during the couple of years that we lived, that we were primarily based there. I was still going back and forth to Virginia all the time. And I remembered a client that I, well, I wanted him to be, that I had at the previous law firm that I had in Lebanon. He was a wonderfully dear friend of mine. He wanted to open a board game cafe. Fine. In Beirut. And his story about this was just absolutely amazing. He wanted to use board games as a way to almost heal trauma and to teach soft for previous generations and teach soft skills for future generations at a time when so many Lebanese were and still are trying to find economic opportunities outside of the country. My friend was doing everything in his power to create one within it. And I found that absolutely amazing. And in Lebanon, you are required to have a lawyer on retainer with the commercial registry, every business, which something the U.S. maybe could <laughs> learn <get> from <laughs> as highly as highly regulated as the U.S. is. It's amazing that they're like, no, you you didn't go to law school. You can figure this out on your own. Right? Oh, well, we yeah. also let unlicensed people file tax returns. So that's I'm going to leave that there. We understand. Right. It's don't worry about the fact of my decade plus of experience. The fact I've been doing this forever, all the training I had to do, the certifications, the testing. You don't need to do that. Trust the person who does. It's a good idea. Let me, let me know how that works out for you. Surprise, it doesn't work out very well in legal or in finance. Mm-hmm. So I set up a meeting with this guy and my managing partner. And I told my managing partner I really wanted to take this guy on as a client. He came and gave the whole pitch. My managing partner thought it was beautiful and wonderful and something we should support. And I was like, cool, but he's a brand new business. So he doesn't have, I don't know, $6,000 to give you on day one. Is there any way we can help them out? I will supervise all the work. Anything that's in Arabic, I'll supervise the trainee that's doing it. And everything else that's in English, which was pretty much everything else, I I will take care of personally. But please give him a lower rate. My managing partner said no. 
Not because he's rude, not because he was being mean, but that's not who his firm worked with. He was not targeting these people. He was working for those big international, like mid-sized businesses when, you know, deals we were doing on a regular basis were millions of dollars, not tens of thousands or hundreds. So he refused to lower the price. And that broke my heart. I am happy to say that the Board Game Cafe is doing very well in Beirut. And if you're ever there, please hit me up. I would love to sit and do to see my friend Ellie. But with that story in my in my head and not wanting to take another bar exam at New York, it was like, okay, well, this is what we're doing. And I'm going to put it online because my life is scattered. If you contact me next week, I'm going to be on a different continent. But that doesn't mean I can't help businesses stay out of courtrooms and make sure they have all their legal ducks in a row from whether it be Virginia, Brazil, Portugal, Lebanon. The advice I'm going to give you is the same, regardless of my location. I love that. And that you recognized that need. You know, I think we have a very similar background in it. I always say my job was to help the rich get richer because that was who could afford to use our services. And I could give those people all the loopholes to save on taxes, to make more money, all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's almost this irony of something that helps you make so much money or stay out of so much trouble that could be such a financial burden feels almost inaccessible to these people who are just trying to build wealth and get to the next level. And, you know, at it's important, and I completely understand and respect that there are firms out there who this isn't their target market, right. but where are the people who have that same level of experience and like, this is their target market. So I love that you saw that hole. And I, I think that the best business models tend to be built on what is open, what there is a need for. You know, I actually felt the pull to finally leave my firm and go serve people when I had three people inquire to work with me. And I was like, oh, you're not a good fit for the firm I'm at, but there's clearly a need in this hole to serve these people. So can you tell us about the journey of like how you obviously got started with that client, but how did you go about actually starting this whole thing that is now a full firm? I think the way that, that every business owner starts off in the beginning, you just kind of tell your friends like, hey, I have Doing a crazy <laughs> idea. We're going to try it out. <laughs> and, and, and then you just kind of pray it works. And I found as we were going through this process, of course, we've done a few different iterations. We've expanded our services to, to go from just this like retainer service where we're there, we're part of the team for any small business to we're adding templates to the store for folks who can't afford even our level of services yet. We're doing trademarks as like their own separate projects for folks who don't want to be bothered with the rest of it yet or aren't operating within Virginia. I think as you go, the more conversations you have, and that's really the point of this, the more conversations you have, the more you'll figure out exactly how to tweak your products or services. Because it doesn't matter if you're selling candles or legal services. You have to take the feedback from your clients and what people want and what people are asking for. Mm. And then translate that into what they actually need. (laughs) Which is, I think, the tricky part. Mm. Because no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what I need today? I need a contract. That's not a thing. (laughs) I I might, but I'm also probably not most people. (laughs) Right. But you and I are weird. We join weird (laughs) industries and we know it. We know too much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we overthink. We definitely overthink. If you wound up in our industries, I think it's it's that's the tendency. But yeah, default. for sure. <laughs> but for the folks that I like working with, the folks that you like working with, I like working with the disruptive people, like the folks who are not there to be like, oh, I need a contract. They're like, no, I have this idea. I want to do it. And you're like, rain in. Cool. So, how do we do it? Right. 
Oh yeah, exactly. Cool. Give me your ideas. I love them. Let's figure out how. Because I think most people have the idea that lawyers say, no, just no. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. And I'm like, how about and? How do we make this so the risk matches you? And as long as you keep listening to that, then you can evolve your services in a way that clients will work. And then you find out that spaces like this, like the one that you provide here, is such an amazing way to be able to share that information with folks who aren't ready yet, who haven't gotten to that point yet. So they can figure out like, oh, okay, I don't know, I need an LLC. So that way, my house that I just bought last year, if you were privileged enough to have that opportunity, isn't taken away from me because some client gets pissed off in my studio, right? And you start figuring that out of like, okay, this is that sounds big and scary, those words, I have to get an LLC. But in most states, it's 50 to 100 bucks in like a half an hour form. And then if you hear that kind of stuff, it becomes less scary. Mm -hmm. And as you keep telling people that, then it keeps going and keeps growing and... I don't know. We just we just try to share information and, and see how it goes from there. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And I, I think the world has made, you know, specifically legal and accounting services both something that feels so overwhelming and far off. Heavy. Heavy. Yeah, that's a great word. But, you know, it, they're so important in just the basis of a business and not something people should feel afraid of. So thinking about all these interesting stories you have with your clients, what are some of the biggest uh, things you notice time and time again that means someone needs to start reaching out to a lawyer that means um, you know they, they should start thinking about what they're doing in more of a high-level way that might involve a lawyer? So I'm going to give the lawyer answer that everybody hates hearing. <laughs> it depends because that's always my answer. <laughs> it depends. And I'm so sorry. But okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a clean line that that even with the it depends. It depends on how much risk you are willing to tolerate and that your service or product creates mm -hmm. when somebody buys it. If you're telling me that you're going and you pick up a side hustle doing a home organization, right? And two weekends a month you're going to somebody's house and just moving their stuff around, what's your biggest risk? What's really going to happen there? You break some priceless vase moving stuff around, right? Or you throw away the remains of the beloved family pet. That's that's the biggest risk, right? Let's, let's think about it. My job as a lawyer is to plan for the worst and help you hope for the best. So let's see. What's the worst? That's it, I think. God, I hope anyway. <laughs> How can you mitigate that? An LLC. And probably insurance, if you're really worried about it, if you're working at houses with like really expensive stuff in them, that's wildly different than being a financial coach for someone. If they're trusting you on what investments they should make, how they should route their money and all of that, you're genuinely affecting someone's livelihood at this point. That's really the point. And, and your services, chances are, you're not either one of those. I'm trying to pick a range, an extreme here, so you can see how much that can change. Mm -hmm. You can go from a very low risk thing to something that's wildly high risk, even though it doesn't feel like a personal high risk to you. It's about the risk to your clients and how much you can harm your client's life mm -hmm. or stuff. Because that's what people get pissed and start suing. And that's what we want to avoid. And that's what we want to have protections in place for. That sounds like a great line for us to be thinking about. Another thing I also add to that is what is your vision long-term, right? Because if you're sitting here, maybe it is just a side hustle two weekends a year now and you're like, eh, not that big of a deal. But if it if you have dreams and goals for this to be a full-time agency where you have a ton of people, 
let's just start with all of the foundations that we might need in place so we don't have to go back and say, now we have to add this. And there are some things that you can layer in. Probably insurance could be layered in pretty easily, but we look at a full legal or tax structure. Those are things that we like to start with from the beginning, thinking long-term, where do you want to be? So you don't have to go back and be like, oh, never mind. I'm, I'm more serious now. Chris, I completely agree with you in an ideal world. <laughs> Right. And, and and this is actually kind of the, the, the story I like to say. And in a world where you had an unlimited budget for legal, I would give you $30,000 of protection from the start. But the reality is that's not the case. So and actually, we, we have this conversation a lot when it comes to trademarks, which is what you use to protect your brand name, your brand slogan, your brand colors, if it's really attached, but that's hard to do. Normally, it's the name of the company, the name of your like premium service, your premium product, or maybe a tagline that you're really familiar with. Some people do logos. That's the line we use. Oh, look, if you're really attached to this name, I would love, love to help you get your trademark before you ever start. But unfortunately, that's just not the case for most people because they don't have that three to $5,000 to throw at it from the beginning. I would love for that to be the case, right? That's absolutely amazing, but it's not the reality all the time. So we try really hard to make sure that your investment in legal protections matches your risk level. And if you're not super attached to the name, we can do a quick search to make sure like you're not jumping on somebody else's name so you don't get a cease and desist from them. But maybe we don't need to register your stuff quite yet if that funding isn't a priority for you. Mm-hmm. And so it's finding that match. It's And it's a tough place and it changes for absolutely every business. I have no idea when you first come to me what what investment you're willing to throw into this, right? Whether you're bootstrapping or you were lucky enough to get seed money from somebody. So we try to make it work in between those two realities. I love that. So thinking about, you know, okay, if we do have people listening who are like, I'm not a new, new business, but we're starting to think about the scaling process and really taking this a little bit more seriously. What are some of those first things if we do have a more limited budget? Where would you recommend, you know, first few things we spend that money on, on, on the legal side? If so, it depends on whether you're on products or services, what you would call this. But my first recommendation for any business is to have whatever their client services agreement is or your terms of sale if you're selling a physical product. And that's because that's going to set up you like your initial protections, right? And that's really our big focus. If somebody takes you to court, at least you've got a document in front of you that you can be like, look, we have a no refund policy. Sorry, that's just that's what it is. It's here in black and white, white, you signed it, you accepted it. This is it. We didn't trick you. We showed it to you before you paid. There's no fight over this. It also helps with chargeback claims if you've got customers that are doing that so-called friendly fraud, which is a nonsense name. I think you know when you've you've had a successful business at that point, once you've had your first chargeback claim. I think it's like a rite of passage, actually, if that makes anybody feel better <laughs> if they've recently gotten a chargeback claim, because it's terrible. It's a terrible process to go through. And then from there, it really does become make sure you're setting up the LLC. Mm-hmm right? Or the corporation, but go speak to a lawyer and an accountant on the same call is even better. (laughs) It's yeah. And look at our firm. I'm like, please, I want to meet your accountant. Mm -hmm. I want to be in contact with Mm -hmm. them because together we can give you a much better opinion of where it is because your liability, that's really what I'm looking at. What are your risk levels? How much do we need to protect? Or your accountant, uh, you can speak far better to this than I can. 
can tell you exactly at what revenue point, depending on your tax bracket and all of the stuff, that it might make sense for you to file that as corp tax election, mm-hmm. right? Or to have a corporation itself instead of an LLC. And these are conversations that like, do you really want to remember all this and be the go-between between the lawyer and the accountant? Gosh, people do not. Just let us talk to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Just let us talk to each other. We speak each other's language and you don't, we can just agree between us what's in your best interest after you've given us all the information we need. And then you don't have to keep all this stuff in your head. You can go focus on how to create a better product, Mm -hmm. a better service, how to serve your people better. Mm -hmm. I I, I think that's, that, that becomes the other really big thing. And then from there, what we do a lot of work with with our clients is making sure that their client communications and marketing and like post-hired email messages to their clients match their contracts and that their contracts match their boundaries, their personal boundaries. Because if you can tell somebody beforehand you have a no refund policy or if they show up late to your appointment that it's canceled and they still have to pay or they have to reschedule, I don't know, whatever your time frame is, a certain amount of time out. And they know all of that beforehand and it's super clear. They're going to be much, much kinder to you. until they, And it's not going to be a situation where they show up 15 minutes late and you're like, sorry, too late. We can't do the thing that you paid a bunch of money for. They're going to be pissed. And then we run into situations of, oh my God, now there's a chargeback. They're threatening to blast me on social media. But if you told them beforehand and send reminder emails and we have it clearly in your contract, then it's a lot easier. And those, and every business owner knows those iterations evolve. <laughs> Every I was just months, about to right? say, every time I have an incident, <laughs> I'm like, new line in my contract, new line in my contract, yeah. new line in my contract. Yeah. And it just, it happens. And I also, I love that you mentioned that because I send my clients a welcome packet the day they sign their contract, mm-hmm. the day they start with me. Like you get this welcome packet three to four times. Yeah. And I actually think it might say things that are like even stricter than my contract that I wouldn't like legally enforce. But I'm just like, hey, here's my personal boundaries. My contract doesn't say, <laughs> you know, I only work via my portal. You can't email me. But it's like right. things that are here's the expectation so that you can set that up front. And, you know, I love you mentioning it's, there's going to be iterations of it because you are going to run into things that you literally never expected you would. Yeah. I mean, completely agreed. It's just, it's a reality. And that's actually, that's something our retainer clients, we actually work with them. That's how we start off every strategy session of, Hey, what went wrong in the past three months? Give me the list. And I want to go through line by line through your contract and make sure we've got it addressed because I'm not a fortune teller. No lawyer is. No lawyer, nobody, nobody. If they tell you they can, if they tell you their contracts are rock solid, they're lying to you. <laughs> I like it's just a it's just a reality. Because it's not possible to guess everything. And if anyone tells you otherwise, go look and see how many contracts had something called a force majeure clause when the pandemic hit. Not many, right? See that a lot because now we though. Can't predict everything. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And it was funny, actually, from working abroad, that was pretty common practice. It was the American legal system that they're like, no, we don't need that. And you're like, <laughs> now you do. That's really crucial to updating. I think I, the other most important thing you can do, and it really does come down to this, life happens. We can't predict everything. And the reality is, once you have that contract, I think that really is, that's one of your biggest protections as a business owner having contracts not only with your clients and your your customers, but with the service providers you work with, with your independent contractors to make sure you own their stuff. And so they know they're independent contractors and not employees. We can have a whole other discussion about that. With anybody that you're doing business with, right? Just to make sure that the, the rules of the game are clear. 
the thing is, the game changes every day in this in this world that we are of, of, of business ownership. And stuff cha- stuff has to be updated. When there's a new problem, you have to go find that other moment and make sure that your contract is still matching the policy that you want to have, right? And in the personal ba- boundaries that you have that have been immortalized into your contract because your own personal values and boundaries may change from time to time too. So with our retainer clients, that's actually how we set up our our strategy sessions. We do these quarterly meetings that are supposed to be larger strategic moments where they're like, okay, cool. What happened? What went wrong in the past three months? What went really well? Very specifically, when we're asking what went wrong, we're going through the contracts. We're going through the client communication and being like, where can we fix it? Where can we improve it? Where can we make it more clear that boundary? Where can we explain it better? Where can we tell people beforehand so they're not surprised when this comes up? And if you're not doing that process and you're using the same contract you got two years ago, I guarantee you, you're just, you're waiting for issues to repeat themselves. And there's no need for that. Learn from them as they pop up. That's why every time you go into iTunes, <laughs> there's a new terms and conditions and they're like 40 pages long. Nobody ever reads them. But that's why, because the laws change. So they have to keep updated with that. And because there was some new issue, some new person that sued him over something. They're like, okay, cool. Let's take care of that. Mm-hmm. Your business is the same. I love that the updating portion is so important because like you said, things change. And a very interesting dilemma that I've had is I have almost like similarly to you, I have retainer clients that are almost on an infinite retainer. Like it doesn't end. And I've recently put in my standard procedures that's, hey, every year you're going to get a new contract. Maybe we're not changing your rate. Maybe we're not changing this, but there were updates to my contract that I want you to sign. I need to change the year of the tax filings. I'm doing like all these little things that I'm like, even though they're still my client, they're just indefinitely continuing I have to make them sign these new procedures. I've learned a lot in the past few years. And I also like that you said, how can we explain this better? Because I think that's so important that, you know, I've had a situation before where it was very clear that I wasn't going to be liable for anything based on any, any instance of things happening because my contract outlined it very clearly, but in still kind of legal terms. And I ended up putting in my... I have a separate welcome packet that's separate than the contract, but just making sure, hey, I know this is outlined here, but here's what these things say, just so you know, because even if you're in the right, it doesn't always feel good to have to go back and point to a contract. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be that person that's like, look, I didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) You make a a really, really good point. We like to approach things because so many of our clients, they don't want to feel like the bad guy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so let me, let me draft the contract to be the bad guy, but it's your job to provide the customer service, Mm -hmm. right? I'm setting like the worst case scenario rules for you. So you've got some teeth to fall back on in case somebody really is just a terrible human being and you don't want to deal with them anymore because unfortunately people will people Mm -hmm. and it does happen every once in a while. But I think what's even more crucial is figuring out that explanation because I'll tell you a secret guys, nobody reads the contract. I've actually made them initial next to really important phrases. We do we do the same thing when we draft our client when we draft our contracts for people. You read nothing mm-hmm. else like this one line. Please read this right. one. <laughs> I love that there's e-signature software so readily accessible these days. I love that it's integrated into so many CRMs and different platforms. So you don't even have to think about it as a business owner because before business owners maybe they got the contract but nobody was signing it. At least now they're signing it. The part of the problem is and look, it has 
I haven't found the best solution for this, but we absolutely do this. When we write custom contracts for our people, we put in something of like, you have to initial here on these very important parts, late policies, refund policies, what expectations we have of you as a client and your cooperation behavior. I think those are crucial ones you really do need to pay attention to. But with the proliferation of e-signature softwares and their integration into whatever your CRM is, it becomes so easy to just be like, oh, click, 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 it's all signed. We point it out, we try, but the softwares have made it. So even the pointing out is kind of ignored at this point, which is why that client communication, that welcome packet, that ongoing set of emails and a workflow, right? You don't have to be the one doing this. You can automate this whole problem. Oh, I purposely make and it automated. Should. So even I don't even look like the bad guy. The system sent you an email. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, let me let me check into that for you. Oh, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Like if payment's a day late because... I don't know, weird stuff happens, right? Bank holiday, the deposit didn't come through or something. But then see, that's the beautiful thing. Then you get to provide amazing customer service. Mm -hmm. You get to be the one explaining all of it and, and knowing uh -huh. and, and providing that, that experience they remember. Exactly. Perfect. Well, I feel like we have dug into so much already. And I really think this is a great conversation talking about not just the legal, but how to present the legal to people and yeah. have that experience where they truly understand it. Before we close out, is there anything else that you want our listeners to know and hear from this conversation? I think for me, the biggest thing is if legal is not part of your budget already, please make it one. Because it's simply a matter of time before you're going to run into an issue. And I'm going to be the bad guy here and tell people, whoever says running a business, you can run a business for free. I don't know where that term started in like 2020. At the end of the day, it's like a non-negotiable to pay for certain things in your business. It yeah. is frankly the cost of operating. So I'm just going to yeah. throw that in there too. <laughs> and there's, there's some things, look, you can bootstrap until you can't. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier to build a scaled business when you have a team of, of experts, of professionals supporting you. And that comes from your CPA, your accountant, that comes from your lawyer, that comes from your marketing team, that comes from the people working under you to provide the service or create the products that you're doing, right? That comes from all of these people having conversations together to build a business that can exist beyond you and your head. I love that. Well, thank you so much for leaving us with that. I think that's incredibly important for us to think about as we are all in phases of scaling and growing and just thinking about what are the things that we need to have in place when you are seeing, can I scale? Can I hire this new employee? Can I offer this new service? Also, can I have legal for it? Can I make sure that that is all taken care of? So thank you so much for being here today. If our listeners want to find you or work with you, where can they do so? They can find most active on Instagram, second most on TikTok. We've got the same handle. It's inline legal because we keep your business in line. Is that tacky? <laughs> no, it's so cute. Tacky <laughs> cute. See, I love it. But yeah, just look, send us a DM. Uh, I, I love hearing what business owners are planning for the next stages. I adore it. It makes me excited. It makes me get out of bed in the morning. It makes me chase down being able to have these conversations. So if you want to just have somebody that's willing to sit with you and brainstorm and see where you can take this thing, send me a DM. I would love to. I love it. And I think you also provided us with a resource, your trademark quiz. Yes, that's something we put together actually this past year. And I, I'm quite excited about it. Trademarks are such a, a complicated subject. And look, I could explain the whole thing to you, but we got to sit through an hour long webinar. And do you really want to do that? Probably not. 
So we put together a quiz that you can complete depending on on where you're at in somewhere between five and 15 minutes, because it's kind of a two-parter quiz. And it approaches trademarks the same way we do. Before we even ask if your brand name is trademarkable, we ask a series of questions trying to figure out if it's worth it for you to invest. And you can take it at home, you know, from the convenience of your pajamas while you're binging Netflix and kind of pretend like you're doing something something productive. And we'll, we'll, we'll say you are. Don't worry. We'll support you in that. It walks you through all that. And, and we're quite excited about it. And it takes away the legalese and asks things in a way that, that makes sense. And then at the end tells you, like, it doesn't really make sense for you to have a trademark. This isn't worth your money to invest in. Right. Or it does make sense, but this name may be kind of risky or it does make sense. And this is a great name. Let's do it. Right. And a few versions in between. I love that. Well, to our listeners, that will be linked in the show notes below. If you have enjoyed this episode, if you want to connect with either of us and let us know what you thought, be sure to leave a comment below or find us on Instagram or TikTok for there for them. I guess you can find me, but I stopped being active. So I don't know. Eh, it's it's another it's another option for people. Instagram is our our easier one for sure. You're gonna get a faster answer from from us there for sure. Well, be sure to connect with either of us and leave any comments below into questions you had, things you liked about the episode, or things you want to see in the future. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week. Hey.